Welcome to Solutions from the Huddle, powered by Collaborative Solutions Group. We're discussing meaningful business and life topics to add motivation to your life and value to your efforts. Our show is hosted by certified professional CSG coaches who are often hired for private coaching, corporate training, and speaking engagements. Now, enjoy the show. All right, guys, this is Solutions from the Huddle, and I am your host, Titus Bartolotta. We love that you keep coming back. We keep putting out shows for you, and and it doesn't seem to matter who we have on the program, from authors to coaches to sports to business, you guys just keep clicking. We're so grateful, so welcome to another episode. We want to get right into it because our guest today is really someone quite special. Uh, we've had authors, but if, if, if I'm reading her bio correctly, you guys are going to get to hear from a person who has published uh, 39, maybe even more, but but nearly 40 uh, books, uh, so many wonderful children's books to be exact. But uh, we start our program the same way every time. Join us if you'd like to, but we do it in prayer. So Lord, we give you glory and honor for all things. We ask that you would bless the show, our sponsors, our guests, uh, everyone involved. Uh, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Okay, guys, guess what? Oh, and I'm already so nervous because like she corrected me before we recorded and I'm, <laughs> I'm about to say her name and I'm going to mess it up, but Brucka gets Perfect. Yeah, I think I got it. You got Brucka, it. Yes. I'm so excited. We have Brucka on the show here with us. And like, if I read her bio, we'd have to stop the show because it would have taken the entire time. <laughs> Um, but this amazing Harvard grad uh, has published 39 books, so many wonderful books. And I actually, Brooke, I love the titles and I love the subject matter. It's not really what you would expect from children's books, right? It, it's talking about personal privacy. It's talking about how to be safe. It's talking about how to search and find God. It's, it's subject matters that we should have been writing for, for kids for a long time. Uh, um, tell us a little bit about you and your journey, Bronca. Thanks for being here. Exactly. I, I got to start with what you just said, because like I try to write the books that I wished I had as a child. That's my mm. goal. I, I wasn't brought up like with a spiritual understanding and I went searching for it in my life. So that's what I want to give children so they could start their path in life with a spiritual understanding that 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 they are spiritual beings and we're here yeah. on this going through a temporary human experience but essentially we're spiritual beings that's what i didn't know and 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 my journey is all about that because even though my life looked really successful um my soul was starving and mm. I, I went to, you know, Harvard and then I went to medical school and 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 I wanted to, uh, you know, it looked great on the outside. But inside was a person that felt like I didn't know what life was for. Why was mm. life worth living? And I went searching. I eventually found it in the I had a six week break between my first and second year of medical school. Mm. And um, I, I spent it in Israel. I was actually um, volunteering at Hadassah Hospital on the oncology ward, talking to families, just trying to give them hope. And I needed hope myself. You know, it was really interesting. Wow. But, but that's what happened. And I met a friend there 
who took me and I began to learn about my heritage in like the best place to do that, which was in Israel, because I was born Jewish, but I, I didn't really know about the depth of Jewish wisdom. And I began to learn that that summer. So, um, wow. yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. How did you, how did you find that writing was going to be your passion and and not maybe just your passion, but that you were so skilled at it that publishers would would walk that journey with you and that you would find yourself going from number book number one to number five to number 15. I mean, were you always great growing up in school at writing notes and writing stories or did this come later in life? How did that happen? Great. As a child, it's true. I remember as a like third grader, I wrote a poem and the poem was about how books can take you anywhere. If you read a book, you could travel around the world, around the universe. And they read this poem that I wrote in front of like the whole a big assembly. And, and the, it was a big deal. And 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 it was like to me, it's a foreshadowing of where I was headed, you know, in terms of how much I love books, especially children's books. So basically, but when I was in I, when I had a, some little children, I was sitting in Israel um, outside. My children were playing in the playground. Oh, I didn't come back from Israel for 10 years, uh, basically. When wow. I went that summer, I never returned. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah for 10 years. So, so I met my husband there, and then I had, I had five of my six children there. And um, so I... I was sitting outside, they were playing, and I took my notebook. I had ideas of, of children's books, and I started writing a children's book, and I wrote it. I didn't, no computer, no, no typewriter even. I wrote it on like loose leaf paper from this notebook. I stuck it in an envelope, and I mailed it to America. And I didn't even think about it. Six weeks later, I get back an envelope. Your book was accepted. And that was it. That was the beginning. And I go, oh, my goodness, this is how you write children's books. So I kept going. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That is, I mean, what, what an exceptional. So you always knew, like, hey, I'm probably better than average. <laughs> like, like, I'm good at this. It, like, it sounds as though that even from that early age, it didn't, it didn't sneak up on you. You, you, you had to have known. I'm I'm as good or better than the people around me at this at this writing craft. It just flows. It just flows wow. right out of me. And also, why children's books? It's because I'm still so much a child in so many ways. I have this sense of wonder and excitement about life that I love to share, and it hasn't changed. And those are my favorite books still. Here, a Harvard grad, and I love picture books. Those are my favorite books still, you know? Wow. Because I love simplicity. I like taking deep, complex issues and making them as simple as could be so a child can understand them and and have these tools have the wisdom for the rest of their lives if you if you if you give children these concepts you're engraving on their soul and they have it forever so the, so children are the most important people to reach yeah wow talking with Brooke gets here on solutions from the huddle uh, Brucka, tell us a little bit about the relationship with kids, right? I mean, of all the, the subject matters, where does the connection and the passion to touch and speak to children? You could have written books that were romance novels. You could have written books that were self-help books. You could have tried to talk to 
young people that were maybe more college age about like, hey, go to go to college, right? As a as a Harvard grad. But you specifically went after the the youngest, the most vulnerable, the most uh, impressionable. What's the connection though? Why them? Yes, there's there is. There's a, a saying from the Talmud, from the ancient Talmud, if a person learns when he's a child, what is it like? Ink written on fresh paper. It sinks in mm -hmm. and it makes an impression that lasts. So some of my books, like you mentioned, are safety books. And that's because all my books are about helping souls to shine. So what does a safety book have to do with that? Because if children don't get to protect their precious bodies, that that puts a cloud, it puts um, a blockage over their souls so they can't shine as brightly. So we have to protect their precious bodies. Even, mm. yeah, the, the newest book that just came out like a couple of weeks ago is Let's Swim Safely. Same thing. If we don't protect our precious bodies, what's going to shine? We, these are the vessels that house our souls. And right, even when I was at Harvard, I was, I was taking courses in the Graduate School of Public Health. So I'm very into public health. And my next book that's going to come out is um, Let's Stay Healthy, also about taking care of our bodies. And really important after what we've all been through with the pandemic, that we have to do whatever we can. We have so much ability to keep ourselves healthy. For sure, it's dependent on God's blessings, but we have a lot of power to do what's right to keep ourselves healthy. And when children learn that from the beginning, oh my gosh, then their whole life, they can develop good habits that last them mm. for a lifetime. It's like you're finding really creative and, and, and highly intentional ways to really empower young people to to make choices and and to know that they have both the ability and maybe even the duty to to kind of chart the course of their own safety and well-being beautiful empowering that's exactly what it's about in my books in fact it's not parents telling the children what to do it's mm. children expressing what they've learned and sharing it with other children i'm wow. writing from that perspective so it's totally empowering. You got it. Um, w one book I think you'd love to hear about, it's called Hashem's Candy Store. It, it brings up, and it's based on, I, I saw this on the internet, God's Pharmacy. It's about how amazing all our fruit and vegetables are. Um, like, um, I'm holding up an orange, but you guys can't see it. But like an orange is, it becomes so bright and beautiful only when it's ready to be picked. In other words, mm. that's how it tells us it's ready. Ready, we're ripe. And, <laughs> and they're all like that. That's what the apples become bright and beautiful when they're ready for us. And you see, they're all individually packaged. This is how we got the idea. Like the perfect size for a snack food. Look how it was made by God. Just perfect yeah. for us to eat. And it's What's the special about all these um, Hashem's God's candy? It's God's candy. How it it it's not only delicious, it's also nutritious. As opposed to all the junk food, 
which is designed to be delicious. It could be orange flavored. You know, they make it orange flavored, but it's not nutritious because it's not made with infinite wisdom. So Mm. the, the book is all about showing the infinite wisdom that was our fruits and vegetables are made with. So you can get a sense of wonder about our world. Like, for instance, a lot of like, um, like an walnut, you'll notice is very dull colored. And so is a potato. These are things that we shouldn't, uh-uh, we shouldn't bite right into them. It's got a hard shell on it. We have to crack it open with a nutcracker. And then you see, and the same with the potato, we shouldn't bite into it. We have to wait and cook it first. But the things that we can eat right away, they're brightly colored like this orange. Mm. Yeah, take me right now. And the and other interesting things is many of the fruits and vegetables, they are made, they're designed to tell us what they're good for. Like this walnut, when you open it up, it looks like a brain. It's got all these folds on it. And you can see, and when you... A, a walnut is particularly good for our brains. It's one of the things that, and it looks like a brain. Like mm. if, if you slice a carrot, what do you see? You see an eye right there. Carrots, wow. are, yeah, carrots are particularly good for our eyes. Celery looks like our bones. The uh, tomato, particularly good for our heart. It's got like, not all tomatoes, but some of them have four, four parts, like the four chambers of our heart. It's It's fascinating. Like, the world was designed with messages. Like I have wow. another book is Remarkable Park about nature, how it talks to us and the animals, what we can learn from the animals, what we can learn from nature. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, the world, it says at the end of the book, the, the, the world is like an open book. It, it's called Remarkable Park because it, it's, it's, it's the whole world is really an, a remarkable park with lots of messages for us to learn. Yeah. Wow. I'm over here learning things. I didn't know that about uh, about the walnut and the carrot. You're right, though. I mean, the minute you said it, I said, oh, my gosh, she's absolutely right. That's exactly how those things look. And, and the, the correlation between, no, don't bite into this. That's why the shell is hard, right? Amazing. What a beautiful, beautiful connection. Um, Bracca is the author of, I think her most recent book, let's swim safely. You guys can get that on Amazon or probably anywhere books are sold. Man, I'm, I'm encouraging you guys to do it. Uh, go and make a buying decision and invest in your family. 39 books, Bracca. How many years has it taken you to pen, to paper, to illustrate, to bring forth the, the creations of, of 39 different, beautiful gifts how long did that take well it's taken many many years but like i wasn't doing it all that time in the beginning my children were little when i wrote my first book and now i have grandchildren and my grandchildren are not even little anymore (laughs) they're older some of them are teenagers already so like you know it's been that whole process but most of my books are written recently it's like it's just pouring out, you know, all, oh, wow. all, yeah. <laughs> what are some of the, what are some of the elements, right? So we have lots of listeners we have uh, sales professionals. We have entrepreneurs. We have lots and lots of different people that are just looking for personal and professional growth and development, you know, at collaborative solutions group, which our show is powered by. It's all about how do we pour into the human experience and, and have people really maximize their potential. And so, 
coaching and speaking and inspiring is what we care about. That's why we bring people like you on um, because there's so many beautiful perspectives on how we can grow and, and, and really walk in, in the best elements of ourselves. So, so the question I want to ask now is for the folks that are listening that say, I have a book in me, or at least I think I do. And I want to bring forth this gift that's kind of rattling around in my own heart. Um, how do they get started? Right. It's kind of intimidating. Um, I know that when I wrote my one and only book, uh, no, certainly not 39 books, but I know that it was quite the journey. But you can probably give us far greater insight into this, Brooke. How do folks right now listening take the first step? Yes, yes. I tell people, and I give presentations all over the place, but of course, during the pandemic, they were all on Zoom, you know? And, yeah. and, and, and what I tell people is this, it takes... 20 years and 20 minutes to write a children's book. That's really what it takes. You carry it around for 20 years and then it just takes 20 minutes to make this first draft. I'm just talking now about a children's book, which you can really just get it. Up, and I'm talking not about a chapter book, but a picture book. So many people have these books in their head. You just take 20 minutes write it up and just have a playful attitude about it. Don't take it seriously. Oh, it might not come out good. No, just have fun. Just play around with it. Many times I write my books when I'm sitting on a bus or a train or a plane or I'm a passenger in a car. Like I'm not doing anything anyway, especially on a plane. Like if I can't be on my phone or something, it's a great time to just fool around with writing a book because I'm, I'm just, there's like, you're not wasting any time. You're just having a playful experience and trying it out. And if it doesn't go one way, it might go another way. The books sometimes take me on a journey. So mm. it starts one way. And also because I write a lot in rhyme, the rhymes take me. It's like, it's like the structure kind of moves me in a certain way. So it's really interesting. So just go on a journey with the book that's in your head. And have fun with it and see where it leads you. Now, nowadays, all my books have been published by traditional publishers. So I didn't publish them. But nowadays, everybody can self-publish a book really easily. You can do your own book. And I think what I've heard from friends, you could do it on Amazon for free. Oh, um, wow which is amazing. So you might want to, you know, get help with certain things like helping someone make the cover for you or other aspects, but you could just do it, you know, yeah. whatever you're carrying around with you. And, and then don't think the book is finished once it's published because what they call marketing, I don't call it marketing. I call it sharing and revealing what's in your book to, to the world, just share and reveal it. And, and, and there's an infinite amount of ways in which you could do that with your book. So you can get drained very easily doing that. So the thing to do is to do what you enjoy. Pick, oh. pick the way that you enjoy sharing it and just do that. Wow. So then you're never, you're never drained because you're having a blast, you know, doing whatever you like to do to let people know about the, the, the gift that is your book. Yeah, I love it. I, I would I would imagine when you get a little further along in a writing career, then um, 
working with more traditional publishers tends to be a little easier. Is that right? I mean, if someone's going to put their first book out there, do you recommend they lean towards self-publishing or do you recommend they send in a draft, you know, I can do a Google search on, on what publishers specialize in that subject matter and, and, and send it in? Or do you think, no, just publish it yourself? Do you have a recommendation? That's a great, great question. I'm really not sure. I th I, the Google search is a good idea if you narrow down your choices to a publisher that's looking for a particular niche that you're in. That's a great way to go. But it's a usually usually a huge waste of time to just start sending it out to big publishers or trying to get a big agent. I wasted a lot of time doing things like that, and I ended up starting off. and And I still do. I still do. I use small press publishers and they, like you said they know me already and they're familiar with my work and there I've used a number of different publishers but they're they're all small presses I have not worked with um you know the Harper and Row, the really biggest publishers I've never done that and um I did definitely waste some time looking into that you know and I've been very happy using the small press and and I, I'm not sure if one sells more than any other, you know, because, sure. yeah, I mean, it's been, my books have been very popular and, you know, I'm just enjoying reaching a lot of people and, and, and affecting changes and bringing more joy. That's, that's what I really love to do. Yeah. I love it. Uh, we just want to say a quick thank you to some of our show sponsors uh, that helps us keep doing this show. So uh, you can go to team-csg.com and take a look at our sponsor page, click on the, the links and get to know more about our sponsors. But of course, we really appreciate folks like Speedy Oil Change, MS Digital Solutions, Easy Living Technologies, Novant Health. Shepherd Law and so many others. So if you're a listener of the show, please make sure that you visit team-csg.com and, uh, and check out all the wonderful folks that partner with us. Brooke, I have a few more questions. Um, what are some of your favorite children's books, right? If you write 39 books for kids or nearly 40 books for kids, uh, you have to be a fan, I would imagine. Yes. Uh, what are what are some of the ones that jump out as some of the favorites that inspired you? Well, my favorite, Dr. Seuss affected me tremendously. Um, and I have a favorite quote I'm going to share. I think, I don't know if I knew this quote growing up, but I see why his books affected me so much. A child can understand anything that is read to him if the writer takes care to state it clearly and simply enough that mm. has been a model for me and that's from dr seuss and another mm. another great quote which really sounds like dr seuss is this you have brains in your head you <laughs> have you have feet in your shoes you can steer yourself in any direction you choose oh my gosh wow. that really wow. shaped my life you know yeah. and, and his books are delightful. And some of them have like amazingly deep messages hidden in that delight. That's, that's my role model for what I try to do. Wow. Yeah. Have you ever thought of, of writing for other audiences or other subject matters? I mean, it is so apparent that you are called to this. It's so clear that you're passionate and, and, and obviously massively talented. 
uh, with nearly 40 books published. But have you ever thought, well, maybe I want to just see what this is like, or maybe you have friends that say, oh gosh, would you write a book about this? Or would you write a book for my audience or for us? Has that ever happened? And have you ever, have you ever felt that pull? Yeah, I go to, I do lots of presentations for schools and the children have seen my books. They read my books when they were younger in some of the classes and they say, can't you write chapter books for us? And I go, no, I'm not the least bit interested. <laughs> I, I'm sticking what I love to do, which is to write oh, wow. in the most simple way possible. The only chapter book I've written is a book I didn't really write. And that's my memoir because I, I j it's a compilation of my diaries from ages 12 to 32. I put it together, my diaries, my journals, my my letters, and then I filled in the missing pieces, but the book was just putting it together. And that's how I was able to write something so long because I don't usually do that. And um, it's just the story of, you know, my journey of how I, um, well, actually it's about developing food addictions and then recovering from food addictions and how I discovered that it was a spiritual fulfillment that enabled me to heal. Yeah. Mm. I read that about, I, I would love for you to talk a little bit about that. We're talking with Brooke Getz uh, right here on Solutions from the Huddle. And, uh, you know, I, I can't tell you how much I'm in love with the answer. I'm not the least bit interested in doing that. <laughs> so <laughs> I love that answer. Like, can I? Of course, I, I'm capable. I have no interest. I'm not going to do it. I love that you're so committed to the, the things that bring you joy. And what I loved is I think you use the word a joyful recovery um, relative to food addiction. Tell us a little bit, a little bit about that. All right. I mean, we have a listener right now in this world that is, that is tuning in, uh, that has got an ear to, to whatever sound is coming out of their device. And, uh, and this is probably piquing their interest. And so there could be some breakthrough, some opportunities, some hope, some healing that could come into someone's life just right here in this moment. No pressure, Brooka, but don't mess it up. <laughs> No, tell us a little bit about that. It's intriguing. What do you mean joyfully um, having healing and recovery from, from addiction with food? Exactly. And it's really all addictions. To, to overcome a habit, you need greater and more lasting pleasure to sub in. That's really the crux of it. That's how you get over because we are driven by pleasure. And what, how this rabbi changed my life that summer, uh, Rabbi Noach Weinberg, he's no longer alive, but he said this that blew me away because I was searching for what's the purpose to life. And he said, the purpose of life is to experience the greatest pleasure possible. What, mm. what, what does that mean? That doesn't sound like what this a rabbi would be saying, you know, to experience the greatest pleasure possible. And then he explains, it's called the pleasure ladder. There's five levels of pleasure. And what I realized is they correspond to the five levels of the human soul. So the lowest level are all the physical pleasures. They were designed to bring us pleasure. The, the oranges, the apples, all these natural pleasures, we could have had just 
tasteless pills to take every day or we or it could have been that we didn't even eat any food but no this is designed for our pleasure our ultimate pleasure and what else but people can get stuck there so what else there could, music there's another physical pleasure there's so, nature all of nature is, a, is is physical pleasures so the problem is that when we want more pleasure in life, we get stuck on the quickest pleasure, which this is the quickest thing. So most people, it's it's the most common addiction there is. And right now, before the pandemic, over 73% of US adults were overweight. That's before the pandemic. So wow, you know, yeah. um, it's huge. And, and, and it's also, a, there's a big, the big food industry is interested in p keeping people with, making people have food addictions uh, because our bodies aren't designed for all that. Uh, like for instance, it's unnatural amounts of fat and sugar that are put together and that doesn't occur in nature. It wasn't meant to be like that, you know? So, um, and that's very addictive for us because our body wants more nutrients and we keep eating more and we're never filled up. So anyway, back to this. So the physical pleasures and what's the second level of pleasure? It, let's say a person is stuck on the food. Bring in other pleasures, turn on the music, start dancing, start moving. Moving your body is another physical pleasure. Go out into nature or you can go up to a higher level of pleasure, which is love. And love, according to this definition from this Jewish definition we have is to appreciate another, focus on the virtues of another. That's what love is. So it's not dependent on anybody else. Again, it's empowering. It's all about something I know you love so much, gratitude. It's all about having gratitude. It's about having gratitude for the physical things and then having gratitude mm. for another person. Mm. Then we move up the pleasure ladder, meaning, doing meaningful things in your life, wanting yeah. to to give back to the world. And then higher than that is even creativity. When we are doing something creative, we don't think about eating or sleeping. We are in such a pleasure state. And the highest level of pleasure of all is, is transcending our limitations, transcending and seeing the connection between everything and everyone and ourselves. So each level up brings more connection and more gratitude. It's all about gratitude. When we fill ourselves up with gratitude, that's how we overcome addictions. When we, when we are eating and it's not, it's the food is not, is not to only uplift our bodies. It's also designed to uplift our souls at the same time. So when we are feeling gratitude, when we're mindfully eating, we're feeling gratitude, we, we, that's when we do not overeat at those times. We overeat when we feel disconnection, alienation, loneliness, boredom. So how do we overcome that? We, we regain the sense of connection and we recognize that we are, is it my body that's hungry or my soul? And when we realize it's our souls that are hungry, we can fill it with all these other pleasures including eating, eating in a more healthful way, which, which, which uplifts our souls. 
I mean, that might be one of the most beautiful explanations um, that there may be times that you feel hungry, but it might be that your soul is hungry. Right. And so when you feed yourself physically, you still walk away with starvation of the soul and therefore you now feel unsatisfied and and you think, well, I need to eat just more next time. That's probably what I did wrong. I probably just didn't eat enough this time. Is that right? Is that am I understanding? Exactly. It's an emptiness within. It's a genuine emptiness, but it's not a physical. Once a person has eaten a healthy meal and they said, oh, I'm still hungry. I need more ice cream, more cake. Or they've had a piece of cake and they just plow through the rest of the cake. This is this is what we do. It's not it's not like eating something unhealthy is what makes us overweight. It's eating the whole thing. We just keep going. We don't stop because it's giving us pleasure. So we have to think, oh, it's pleasure that I want. I'll do something else that's pleasurable. And once we have this roadmap, then we understand there are so many other ways for me to bring pleasure into my life this very moment. That's beautiful. Uh, Do me a favor, Brooke, uh, spell your name, because I know that folks are going to say, I need to Google search her. I've got to go to Amazon. I need to buy some of these books. Uh, What is not only the spelling of your name, but what is also the best ways for folks to connect with you, with your brand, and to become customers of, <laughs> of the beautiful work and art that you've put out. Thank you so much. And I'm not the artist, I got to say. They, the publishers hire the artists for my books. But, um, but my, um, the spelling of my name is B-R-A-C-H-A. That's Bracca. And Getz is G-O-E-T-Z. You don't pronounce the O, but it's G-O-E-T-Z. And, and the best way is my Amazon author page because all my books are in one spot and you can order them um, in bookstores. But, you know, people that don't have the money to buy books, you can get your library to get them. They'll get them too. My books are in libraries, so you can always do that and read them from the library. Yeah. I love it. If you, you know, we always ask folks to share with us maybe one of their one or two of their greatest successes as we come to a conclusion and in this episode of solutions from the huddle with Brucka gets uh, we, we ask the folks that come on this show to tell us one or two of maybe the, the greatest highlights one some of the greatest successes and why and then we also say maybe one or two of the most lowest moments where where uh, the world where God, your coworker, your friends, your family showed you that wasn't the right move, right? Like, like my, my one of my mentors in life is John C. Maxwell. Uh, and, and, you know, I love when he says, sometimes you win and sometimes you learn. So I'd love to know the one or two moments that things didn't go well and what you learned and maybe one or two of the greatest success moments that you've had. Uh, and again, yet, what did you learn through that? Beautiful. Um, the the biggest struggles and the hardest time in my life was when, when I had the, the food addiction and it was, I, you know, they, an addiction is giving up everything for one thing they say. And recovery is, is, is giving up one thing for everything. That's what I got from giving up addiction and addiction is, is, is jail. You're imprisoned by your addiction. It controls your life. It takes you, takes over your life, takes over your energy. And, 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 and that was given up. I got everything. I, 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 I got back 
all these pleasures in life now and it's a freedom it's a real sense of freedom when you can rise above your addiction and and bring joy back into your life so that's that and the the biggest accomplishments you know um marriage having a good marriage is a, is a huge accomplishment it's a struggle to learn it's the small things. It's the small little struggles you do when you don't feel like doing something for someone else and you do it. And you you, you feel yourself stretching. Those little things that you, that are hard to do. It's not the big stuff. It's not the big name things. It's the, the little things. And children, children change a person. You become... They change a person from a taker into a giver. That's, mm. what, that's what happened from... Uh, marriage and having children changed me so fundamentally as a person um, in in the everyday little things that that I that I've had to struggle with, you know, to become um, more real, more my authentic self, the person I really wanted to be. Yeah. You know, I I say I've been married now for for just over twelve years, so certainly not. Uh, an authority on the subject matter and probably ought to write a book on here's all the the things not to do and and how how this was not uh, the extension of God's love and grace as a husband. But what I have come to know, because you brought up marriage, is that uh, and really what the reason I bring this up is because I want to shine a light and and just edify the statement you made relative to what kids do. I think marriage, People think marriage is supposed to make them happy, and it very well can and, and, and likely does. But I think that maybe God meant for it to make us holy. And and you may not be happy on Monday, but you can be holy on Monday if you commit to being the kind of spouse that you ought to be. And what you just said about kids, you know, when you go from from not having to having, you go, you know, when, when kids enter the equation of your life, you go from being a taker to being a giver. And I think, well, maybe, um, maybe in the same way that marriage gives birth to the holiness of, of existence, maybe whether they're your children or just you may, you say, you know what, I'm going to let them be a part of my life. Uh, you go from a taker to a giver. What a beautiful, beautiful sentence that I've not heard anybody say, but as a father of two, it hit me immediately. And I said, Wow, she's right. That is spot on. Spot on. Thank you for being such an appreciative person. Oh my goodness. Thank you. <laughs> I, I love it. Uh, folks, friends, uh, listeners of the show, B R A C H A G O E T Z. Brucka gets. Make sure you get to Amazon as quickly as possible <laughs> and, and get some of these books that are going to change and empower. Um, and really edify the life of your young people. Uh, uh, Brooke, thanks for being on the show. We, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you. I love being here. Thank you. Hey, guys. Titus Bartolotta here with Collaborative Solutions Group. I just wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode of Solutions from the Huddle. If you want to hear more episodes and continue supporting our show, simply search for and subscribe to Solutions from the Huddle on any major podcast platform. Thank you again, and we hope you'll join us soon.